This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 192, which is still really hard to believe, recorded on November 13th, 2014. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all your favorite tech gadgets that find your way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy.tv studios. A very cold Average Guy.tv studios. This winter has made its way to uh, Bellevue, Nebraska, and of course we post the show with world-class show notes out at theaverageguy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course, you can always contact us, send us an email. Just send, send that to me, jim at theaverageguy.tv. You can find me on Twitter, at jcollison, and now you can call in those questions as well. I'd like to get a few of those. I haven't had much luck with that, but 402-478-8450. You can head over to the show notes, and uh, that, that'll be clickable on your phone, and you can just give us a call. Love to have you call in your questions. And now Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network, which is expanding. If you haven't been out there in a while, take a look. You can find the links to this show and all the other great podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com. Join us live. Uh, watch or listen live on YouTube, Spreaker, and now Mixler, and all the navigation you'll ever need. Everything you need actually is over at theaverageguy.tv. All right, I have been in super travel mode over the last four or five weeks. Somehow I've gotten podcasts in. I've been out to Seattle for the Microsoft MVP conference, which was just a blast. If you want to hear more about that, head over to uh, HomeServe. No, head over to surfacegeeks.net. I spent some time with Dave last night, Dave McCabe. Uh, talking about that on Surface Geeks, I think it's 78 or so, and so we won't cover too much of that here, but a good time at um, at MVP Summit. I picked up a Surface 3, which may may or may not enter the end of the conversation here. But uh, it's good to be back. It looks like with Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'm home. We should get back on a regular podcast schedule, so thanks for listening. A couple great guests tonight. Excited, a brand new one, but let's before we introduce him, let me bring back uh, on his second time back around. He's a glutton for punishment and he survived the first time. John Greenaway. John, how are you? I'm great, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, we're going to catch up with you in just a second here, but uh, I mean, you've been, since we saw you last, you've spent uh, a little time moving around, right? Yeah, so uh, I had just gotten to California a little bit before I talked to you and then we moved across town last, uh, about two months ago when we bought a new house. And where, where are you exactly in the Bay Area? Uh, we're up in Alamo, which is yeah. just uh, just outside of Walnut Creek. Oh, Most people beautiful up there. It's great That's weather. awesome, yeah. Yeah, I always, uh, you know, I grew up in that area, and we drive up there in Brown Hills, <coughs> and just beautiful. So it's, it's uh, that's great. And and BART, how far are you from the BART? There's a, there's a um, Walnut Creek BART station. Are you close to yep. that at all? Yep, uh, I'm about a five-minute drive to the BART. About a 35-minute train ride into the city here, and then a one-minute walk to work. It's perfect commute. Well, that's awesome. Well, I know when I'm in the Bay Area, I know at least how to get to your place now. Uh, I can, you, can, you pick me up at the bar station, and we can enjoy Come it. Come by anytime. Quick meetup. So awesome. That's that's good to hear. Welcome back. And a new podcaster here, and actually uh, you've probably heard me talk about Mike a couple times, but Mike Weger, he, he's an Omaha podcaster and uh, has his own podcast and stuff. I'll let him talk a little bit about, about that, but Mike, Welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Great to have you on. Thank you very much. Good to be on. Tell us, um, tell us a little bit about. Just give us kind of the lowdown on your properties and where you podcast at and all those kinds of things. Yeah. So I am running WeegerTech.com. So it's W-I-E-G-E-R Tech.com, 
And it started out five years ago. Just I, you know, my grandma and people like that needed tech help, and I said, "Well, I like making YouTube videos, and so let's make some tutorial videos." And then in the last year or so, I started doing open mic night. So I kind of started out as a bring your questions to me, and I'll talk about it. And so now I do the podcast as a tech news. People call in, we answer questions, we cover stuff like that, and starting to bring on some guests. And then I have a Uyghur Tech Solutions side, which is small business IT consulting here in the uh, great city of Omaha. And uh, so that's kind of where I'm at, and I'm also in law school right now. So. Yeah, because if that's not enough, right? <laughs> you just and you're also engaged, and you have you you're getting married here for yes, my beautiful fiance Hannah and I will be getting married in January, and so prepping up for that. And so these next two months are going to be probably the craziest two months that I'll have for the next few years at least. Yeah, good luck keeping that podcast rolling, by the right. way. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's already a struggle, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, it's, there's nothing like a wedding or a child to ruin a podcast. So oh, yeah. It, yeah. Well, it, actually, I was like, well, you know, Hannah, we should start our own podcast, you and I, a little, you know, husband-wife thing, so we'll yeah, see. Yeah. You know, I had Chris Pallon on the show uh, two, three weeks ago, and he he does uh, Dadrenaline at dadrenaline.com. Mary, his wife, comes on from time to time, and she is she is just dynamite on the pie. She makes the show every time I... She just she's got a great voice. She has got tone. She's got good. The way she speaks is awesome, and she's just got a great outlook on life. And so that may not be a bad idea. Bring your wife on and uh, and do some. Uh, yeah, give it. A, is she techie at all? She is becoming techie. I'm so I'm always proud of her whenever she fixes something on her own now. Um, but no, she's uh, she's in healthcare. Very that kind of caring type of person. Loves taking care of people. So that's that's her niche. So. You know, a okay. lawyer and a healthcare person. That's going to be what we're dealing yeah, with. You're going to be busy. You're, you're, and you've talked about trying to take that law degree and do a tight into tech in some way. Tell me again how you plan or what, what you're thinking about. Yeah, I think in some sort of IT forensics. And so if you look at some of the big accounting auditing firms, uh, they do IT forensics looking into IT systems and auditing them, making sure they're compliant and stuff like that, or doing the whole traditional patents, trademarks, copyrights, litigation, that sort of thing. So I still got a year and a half left, got some time to decide, but that's well, kind of the initial plan. Maybe you'll be like our official legal correspondent you know, when because we always say as podcasters, we're not lawyers, right? <laughs> but you could be a lawyer. But sadly, I'm not gonna be able to say that for too much longer, so I, I don't have that scapegoat anymore. But <laughs> you're like, well, I'm not. Oh, actually, I am. Right, right. We'll be able to. So, well, when we have matters of uh, legal importance, especially around tech, we'll bring you in and make sure we get the right story. So, Weger Tech, good. right? WeagerTech.com. Yes. And it's called Open Mic Night. M I K E. Open yes. a play on a play on your name. Play on Open Mic Night. It's general tech. It's a lot like what we do here. I've uh, I've been listening to you the last couple of weeks as as I ran into you, I added you to my my list of uh, podcasts that I listen to. Awesome. And, um, I've been changing them up. I kind of got tired of the ones I was listening to before, and it's been kind of nice to infuse some newer, smaller market, fr more friendly podcasts into the. I've been episode. doing the same exact thing. Yeah. So yeah. you you made the list. So open mic night as well. So welcome. Glad to have you out. Um, John, let's jump right in with you. You alluded to your move uh, here, and uh, and of course, there's a lot a lot of tech that goes into a move uh, when you get things done. So, talk through a little bit. You know, you didn't move far, right? I mean, it wasn't uh, you were already out. Well, you'd already made the move from Boston to San Francisco, and then a temporary housing, and you'd move for. Talk about some of the some of the you know just some of the tech stuff you went through as you as you made this move. Yeah. So. 
So we were in the, the rental house for a good, uh, I guess it was January through July. So we, we kind of fully settled. We weren't, we weren't going for the, uh, the, the true temp, you know, rough it type situation. And the, the house I moved into actually was fully Cat 6 wired. It was, it was spectacular. So there was a little closet down there for the, for the server, for the router, for the cable modem. Everything was perfect. Um, I tried to instill some of those requirements in our home search, but it was hard enough to find a place as it was. Oh. And uh, so we ended up buying a house that had was almost not ready at all for, to be moved into from a technology perspective. We were moving into a house that was owned and lived in by a 70-year-old woman for the past 20 years. So um, she wasn't she didn't have things kind of up to snuff as the way I'd like to see them. But so you know. My wife, though, expects we get there on day one and everything's working and the cable's installed and the modem's going and the Internet's all working. So all the usual stuff, right, you know, getting the cable, getting the cable installed, getting those, getting the router set up. Um, it's kind of a big house, so uh, we found, quickly found that we didn't have enough um, – I didn't have any repeaters or anything like that, so Wi-Fi kind of fell off the further you went out towards some of the bedrooms. And so I, I went through a process of, of setting up some um, – uh, Ethernet over over power for part of it, and getting a repeater for another part of it, and hooking up the TiVos for home streaming, and finding a place for that for the home server and my uh, some of my other equipment. So, and and when you were going through the you know the setup for the you know the different, how did you was there a process you kind of went through as far as like when do I put a repeater in and when do I use the you know, when do I use the power outlets as extenders, and am I going to start fishing cable through the walls? How do you, how do you kind of come to that conclusion? Well, I use the TiVo setup, and the TiVo either requires um, their own Mocha setup that, that, that you can have, or um, wired Ethernet. So if you try to hook your TiVo up even to a, a a repeater or or an extend or a Wi-Fi extender, it's going to tell you that it can't find the other the other uh, devices on the system. So you're you're plugged into a Cat six, but the traffic's going over the over the the, the, the Wi-Fi, and so I don't know how it knows that. But from, at that point, when we realized we couldn't stream t the from the main box to some of the mini TiVos, if those people have them, um, that's when I went out and bought uh, bought a Zycel uh, Powerline AV five hundred. Um, setup that has kind of a main box that sits next to your uh, router, um, and then the other three boxes I have throughout my house to get the closest thing to you know high speed that I can get without actually running the the Cat Six. Um, and you know, in that particular case, you know, right now I would love to bring someone in to run wire everywhere because I'm just that kind of guy. I'd rather have it on on the hard wire than than using the Wi-Fi and I've definitely found some issues with the uh, with the with the power that it doesn't uh, it doesn't keep up the speeds, especially for file transfers or big downloads. So my home server and my main kind of file store is actually just connected to that to that box. So it's not connected to my router. It's not near my cable modem. So you know, downloading a, a three gigabyte um, you know file from Microsoft as a you know as, as an image or something like that has, has been horrendous. Yeah. So still working through those kind of things. And so is the plan at this point, I mean, are you really thinking just in, for long term, you're just probably going to end up wiring or at least running some, well, I should ask this question first. Any major renovations that need to be done where it makes sense uh, to cable when, you, when you're going through there? No, not, nothing. I mean, the house is actually in great shape. Uh, it's, it's a 20-year-old house. Um, 
back in Boston, I actually ran my own. I had access to my basement. I had access to my attic. So I, I kind of I bought the big, I don't know, thousand foot box, and I ran pairs everywhere. Uh, I did you know fully redundant um, to get from my basement to my to my chimney back in Bo or to my attic back in Boston. I ran up the uh, the furnace chimney um, stack, which worked just fine. I have no such luck here. We're in a two-story house, and there's a crawl space below, and there's a, you know, again, part of a crawl-type attic above, and it's I'm not going to be able to do it myself, so I've got to hire somebody. Ah, so you got you got a little work to do to get those cable fish. You know, you talk about running your own, and Mike, I'm going to ask you about this too. One of the things I'd always run my own, but I'm always intimidated by the ends, right? Of getting mm -hmm. those, getting those ends done. John, when you were when you're doing it, any any tips or tricks? Because I assume you had to make yeah, the equipment to make the ends. Is that? Yeah, a, I, just, I mean, I don't. How do you walk me through that? Yeah, I mean, I, I literally I bought a little toolkit that uh, kind of has the instructions. I followed them. I think I only had. I probably have put. I've terminated probably 100 wires over the past you know five years, and I've probably had two or three that I screwed up. And then I actually have a little tester that you just plug both ends into the um, into this tester, and it'll tell you if all eight wires are 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 fully connected in the right way. Um, it's colors matter, right? It's got to be like brown, white, white, brown, green, orange. You know that that matters, right? Yeah, and the the, the instructions come with. I, I think there's an A setup and a B setup, and I always follow. Like I don't know which one is the standard, but yeah, you just got to watch for the you know blue, orange, brown, and green, and whether it's striped or or solid, and you know line them up, stick the cap on, and, and put it in the uh, the crimper. It really is much easier than I thought it was going to be. Okay, so it maybe, and then you just crimp it, and it cuts the ends off for you, and you're you're kind of good to go, right? Yeah, exactly. Mike, have uh, you in your in your tech stuff? Have you run wire for anybody? Or do you go to that level? I've done it twice before. For actually, at my parents' house, we had they have Ethernet ports in their wall. Their house is new enough, but if something gets tugged in the basement, it'll actually pull that away from the back, and so I've had to redo a few of those. <laughs> and so you, you get these really tight wires. You think they'd put some slack in, but they don't. But the one question I actually had for John was, on those power line adapters, um, I've heard things about if you are crossing breaker switches, so if you're going from one room to a different room that's on a different breaker, it can cause some problems. Have you run into that at all, or...? Uh, I haven't. Like I said, I, I'm not. I'm getting nowhere near the speeds they promise. Um, but I, I, I've read about it, and I understand that it can actually it can go through the breaker using um, kind of impedance instead of a direct connection. Okay. Again, I, I'm actually an electrical engineer by by training a long time ago, and when I was in the Air Force. But that's the extent I can kind of uh, you know address that one. Gotcha. <clears throat> The uh, Lopta saying in chat, you know, it's easier to punch down, and I've done some punch down work where you're coming in, you know, into a wall outlet, and you mm -hmm. just you, the uh, the punch down on the back has got all the the cables labeled for you what it wants, and then you put those in a little tool and just you know, yep. and, you, and you, you put those in. I've done that. I've just always been super intimidated by the uh, the termination ends, and I my uh, uh, my my wife or my uh, son's wife's father, I guess he's, I don't know where the, I don't know what that is, but he's so good at it, he strips it off and he just spins it with his fingers like this and then just puts the end on it somehow and he gets it, he, he's done so many of these, he just gets it right, you know, like the first time and so now I kind of resorted, hey Keith, can you make me a cable? <laughs> you know, and he's got all the tools and he just does it so much. So, so um, 
uh, are you thinking then at some point you'll you're just going to pay somebody to to uh, to run all that cable for you? I think I will. I mean, I think we, we have uh, a series of, of projects that my wife and I are both kind of negotiating on for, you know, for each of us, and, and that's kind of near the top of my list. I just, we're going to be in this house for a while, and I'd love to just get it so that I don't have to worry about those those other kind of nuances of the power line or Mocha or, or even the Wi-Fi. Like, you know, the Wi-Fi set up, I'll, it'll always, I'll always use it for my mobile devices, but I've always really preferred the, especially because I am streaming video, I have all my video, pictures, music down in the basement and the server, and I can get any of that to my TiVo or any of my TVs or the mobile devices if I want it. Um, and I, I just like the fact that I can, uh, you know, do it pretty quickly. You, um, so you're in a new place and you got new opportunities for home automation, right? And we yes. are on the early days of some really good home <clears throat> automation stuff that's coming up. I mean, I just... We've been talking about this as tech guys for a long time, but it's just finally getting to It's pretty good. What are you hoping to What are you hoping to install when you uh, when you or you're well you're already in? But what yes. do you What have you put in so far, and what are you hoping to put in? Yeah, so um, so far um, I, I've definitely been taking it slow. Um, I, I kind of uh, I've been started off maybe a year ago. Or I don't know whenever uh, whenever they started, but I started listening to Richard Gunther's uh, DMZ podcast, Home On. And I've been listening from the beginning. I knew I was moving. I knew I was in a temporary house. I couldn't do any of this stuff. And so getting into the new house, I really kind of um, started digging around for what projects would uh, make the most sense. And, and in particular, you know, I think we all, those of us in the, in the, in the core demographic are thinking about family and wife acceptance factor. Uh -huh. um, so, but we had a couple of immediate issues. Um, the first was um, the light switch in the pantry just wasn't working. And I told, I told my wife, I'm just going to put in a straight old, plain old, motion sensor. So you go in there, you're going to be pulling out cans or bottles or the kids go in and they, you know, my, my, I have twin three-year-olds, they can't even reach the switch barely. So, you know, so they can go in there and get themselves a snack. The light will go off 45 seconds later and no energy is wasted and no, no one needs to touch a switch while they're cooking or, you know, stuff like that. That was the, that was the first immediate one. Again, my wife was happy with that. We also have a 15-year-old uh, dog who's, you know, getting up there and, and to be honest, we, we say she's kind of losing it a little bit, but um, so she sleeps in the family room, and that used to be just fine, but now she, we found that she has anxiety, so she can't sleep in the dark, especially in a couple of new homes when you're that, I guess, that old as a dog, so um, I got myself a Philips Hue setup with the three bulbs and, and, and the hub, and I have that set up to go on at dusk and stay on until 5.30 or 6 in the morning um, for the dog. And again, really easy sell on, on the budgetary front to, to keep the dog happy and, and make sure she's not, you know, walking around the house barking at 2 o'clock in the morning when she gets anxious because the cause the lights are out. That's a and good the last, thing. That, that yeah. from getting grumpy. Yeah. And the last thing I've done so far um, is uh, the, front, the front of my house actually was on um, outdoor light timer. Um, and it was it had both a timer portion and a photoelectric sensor portion. Um, but the woman who was living there had it essentially coming on. The photoelectric part of it somehow gets set off an hour and a half before actual dusk every night. And the lights were staying on all, you know, again, three or four or five uh, kind of outdoor lights that some of them are actually not low voltage. Um, were staying on for all, the entire night through probably an hour and a half after sunrise in the morning. And I... I, I said, you know what, I, I don't know how much this is costing me, but I'd rather put something in. So I actually made the jump and uh, got an Insteon outdoor module. 
and I hooked that up to the main switch for those five lights. I have the Insteon um, hub as part of a, a kit I bought to get, get this stuff going. And um, I have that turning on um, at dusk, which works perfectly, um, and then going off around 9 o'clock every night. And the only limitation we have is sometimes, you know, especially nights like this, I might get home after 9. Lights are all, you know, it's, it's kind of a long driveway and a dark, dark area. There's only two houses back in this little neighborhood. And uh, I really want to add a sensor to it so that after 9, I can, someone drives back or someone, you know, walks back and is trying to, you know, break into my window. At least all the lights are coming on to, uh, to draw attention and, and let, let us know about that. So those are the things that, I, that I've started so far. Um, the next one that's kind of queued up is with some of the Insteon starter kit stuff that I got. Um, you know, again, we have two little, we have two three-year-olds and a six-year-old that are on an entirely different floor from us now in a new house they don't know that well yet, or they're getting to know. And uh, we've been we've been leaving all of our hallway lights and the stairwell lights on. Uh, they're they're on dimmers, so they're fairly low. But from you know, the time we go to bed until the first thing in the morning. So, I think I'm going to put a couple of Insteon dimmer switches into the wall. On a on a sensor so that you know between the hours of ten and eight in the morning, um, that if the kids get up and, and walk into the stairwell or if we walk down the hallway, those will just pop on to twenty five percent enough to get around, but they're not burning all night long even at the That's you know low packs they're probably at. So, yeah. um, you know, and so I, I'm literally just breaking into all of this, but I figured I would kind of share some of these early early thoughts uh, with the group and you know there, there's a bunch of things in the queue beyond that you know. Uh, looking or adding those motion sensors, and then thinking about thermostats, or so, you know, I know, I, know, I think Dave, you, Dave uh, McCabe uses smart things, right? So he's mm -hmm. he's commented about he's dropped one of those tags in his wife's backpack or whatever, and right. he knows she's, she's getting within a half mile of home, and he can clean up the mess. Well, he uh, wouldn't say it that way. <laughs> losing that thing all the time, and she wants to be able to find it in the house. So yeah, so. Yeah. So things like that are kind of on the longer longer term goals, and you know, for now, just kind of breaking into it and figuring things out. You know, I was I had actually exchanged some messages with Richard Gunther from Home On a couple of weeks back, and he's very accessible, by the way. He's a guy that oh yeah, he's great. If you're into home automation, that's that's really the show to go to. Yeah, so I, I was actually looking at I'm trying to, I was trying to find a single hub that would you know serve all worlds, and I kind of dove into Insteon because I liked the fact that it had a, both a wireless and a wired component. That's a theme with me, I guess. Um, but it's a big house, and I was concerned that you know with just a radio only, like a Z-Wave or a Zigbee, that it might not you know um, you know hit some of the the further the further out lights. Um, but I was looking for at, at hubs, and I, and I don't know if you've heard of the Revolve. Um, it was gaining some popularity. It was a little more expensive, but had I think seven or eight different radios in it. And it turns out Nest just bought them, and basically just took it off the market. It was a kind of an aqua hire. They were looking to bring the, the expertise inside of Nest for all this kind of interconnectedness. And their device, which was relatively well received and, and highly reviewed, just took it off the market the next day. They weren't selling anymore. So I'm glad I didn't buy it, but I'm kind of hesitant. I'm kind of okay with. Hue and Insteon, and I'll figure out the rest later. Yeah, and it's early days. You know, you're going to buy stuff that's going to not be supported after after a certain length of time. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Mike, have you? Uh, you know, you're getting ready to move yourself here, but do you mess much with the home automation stuff? Do you have? Do you use any of that? You seem like a guy who would maybe be into that. I, uh, probably once I have a full-time career with a paying job, I might get into it a little bit more. It's expensive. But it is, it is. The one thing I like to mess around with is I have a Raspberry Pi, and so I like to see 
what all I can do with that little computer. And so really the only thing I've done with it so far is it's a VPN into my home and then I can control my computer when I'm away. And, uh, and I have some stuff plugged into my computer like speakers and a TV that I can access. But, you know, being an Apple guy and right now not having much money in it anyway, I think I'm going to wait and see what they come out with with HomeKit and the new Apple TV. The rumors are that, that we didn't see a new Apple TV this year because they're going to wait and the Apple TV is going to be integral in the whole HomeKit, home automation sphere. And so uh, I, I've been wanting to get into some Hue lights and stuff like that, but I haven't tried too many of them out right now. But definitely just a, an exciting new era, though, of technology, especially when you start to see things like the Amazon Echo and things like that, things that, you know, any part of home automation that makes your home smarter is uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've got Echo in the show notes, so let's not dig into it yet. I'm going to ask okay. you guys some questions here at the end of the show around the Echo. <laughs> You know, I admit, I, I don't have a lot of automation. I do have this fancy uh, remote control that turns these uh, studio lights <laughs> on and off. That's you know, $15 at uh, Home Depot to uh, this. Ooh, I might be able to, I can even afford that. I might probably be afford that. Or this is easy. <laughs> you know, these lights sit on the other side of the computer, and sometimes I sit down and I get working, and it's too much work to get up and walk around. No, oh, it is. Just turn it on. Turn well, and you're all head butted in, and you got to take your head, you know, your phone, your earbuds out, and those kinds exactly. of things. So, I, I, John, I have not gotten, I have not been bitten by the home automation bug. I, I mentioned too, we're going to move in a couple years, and that may be the perfect time. Although my wife is really good at breaking technology, so you know, <laughs> I, I'm just not sure. The wife, she likes it just to work, so we're kind of good with flipping light switches on and off at this point. But there's some really cool applications. I mean, I think down to the doggy light, that's super important, right? I mean, you got to get mm -hmm. that kind of just right. To Otherwise, the dog's up barking, and you don't get any sleep, and you get grumpy, yeah. and you know, those kinds of things. So I, I've definitely tried to play the angles, and not, not um, that kind of sounds like I'm scheming a little bit, but I've definitely tried to go with the approach to address real issues that are real for her as well. Again, the dog concerns, the kid's safety, the front porch area. Um, I also did buy... Um, Again, along that same same theme, I, I bought two Insteon outdoor cameras. Have not yet installed them. I've had them for two months, and that kind of tells you where life's taken us the last few months. But um, I bought these cameras because we the, the house we bought does have a pool. It's an in-ground pool that's out back, and and obviously there's the safety fence and all that. But I, I want to know if there's ever motion out there outside of you know particular hours. Um, and I got to figure out how to make that thing text me or or give me a, 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 some type of you know some type of buzz, let me know what's going on. And um, so I've tried to prioritize on the things that I think she'll find most useful. And But you're right, it, it has to work. I've even been running a test uh, to some extent um, for that hallway setup that, that I'm going to try to do next, which is I have a sensor just set up sitting on top of the, uh, the side table in our family room. And when we walk in at night to watch television, and this is just kind of a test for her, so she'll, she'll, so she'll see how it works when, when I do the hallways and the stairwell. We walk in there, one of the, the, the standing lamps goes up to 25 or 30%, just so you can see your way around, find the remote, and turn the other light switches on. And I'm kind of showing her, you know, this is the way it's going to work at 4 o'clock in the morning. When we walk out of our room, all those hallway lights will just go up to 25, so you can get your way around. And she's slowly, you know, falling into, you know, this, this might make some sense. Her main concerns, and just to share it with the audience and maybe some comments is, what about, you know, down the road, if we were to sell this house sooner than we think we might? You know, if we sell it in three to five years versus in 10 or, 10 or 15 years, and how will that technology be received by someone maybe buying it who's not as savvy or doesn't want to have a hub connected to the router and hope that it works, you know, that type of thing. 
Yeah. Well, it's something to think about. I mean, because you're going to load this house with all this tech. Some of it you can't take with you. you right. Know? It's kind of got to, you don't, you're not going to be able to rip all that stuff out of the walls. And uh, so that comes into, definitely comes into consideration. One of the things you mentioned, you guys don't have basements like we do here in the Midwest, you know, where you can, you can run, you can come down and do a lot in your basement. Yeah. And, of course, in California, that's just a, just a crawl space for the most part. So um, that was a hard thing for me to get used to coming out to the Midwest is everybody had basements. You know, it's like, what are these things? Tornado uh, so, protection. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's all good. So, do you have John? So, what else are you looking at then? Uh, you'd mentioned a few future projects. Of course, the, you know the the some of the the more popular stuff. Are you thinking about thermostats and that kind of stuff for the future? Yeah, you know th that's on the list. I actually did have one of those in Boston um, to talk about something that you don't take with you, right? Um, I actually had what was back then an industrial. It was this is pre-Nest. I, I got this maybe a year and a half or two years before Nest even came out. Um, it was more for an industrial or a rental environment. That I, I even forget that I forget. I think it's called Prolifix was the was the brand name. Um, and I had those. Um, it worked it worked okay. It wasn't as well connected as the ones are today. The big thing for me, and I found in the houses I lived in in, in Massachusetts and also in, also here, is that the heat settings from room to room, even though they're on the same thermostat and on the same furnace or, or air conditioning, are never ne never go never done right. So I'm I'm waiting to really find that automated thermostat that has multiple temperature sensors that you can either average or go lowest common denominator, or some approach to helping you know make sure that everyone's comfortable or some mix of you know some degree of less comfort as opposed to one room being totally hot and one being totally cold and you can't figure out why that is and you again you're crawling on your crawl space looking at dampers and trying to make other adjustments on the back side as opposed to just averaging the, the temperature of the rooms determining whether it goes off off or on um, so I'm going I'm to sit that one out a little bit I think now wouldn't that be cool to have a damper system with those sensors that that it automatically adjusts the dampers based on what it's you know it's so talk about a learning thermostat you know, the hub would control it, and then with these sensors, you'd be like, oh, I know this, that, you know, what if I do, if I turn this damper, what happens to the sensor on that end, and does it, and it learns what it, exactly what it needs to do to get the temperatures just right, and then from then on yeah. out, it keeps it consistent. God, that would be awesome. I've actually read that there are, and so when I was actually referring to dampers, I'm actually talking about, you know, along the metal pipe, there, there are sometimes, like, handles that will control the flow yeah. Through, yeah. but but I've also read that there are essentially uh, registers. You know, if you're talking about forced heat or forced hot air or forced cool air, there are registers that will open or close based on a sensor they're they're tied to. I don't know how smart they are yet, um, or if it's kind of a one you know one size fits all for the room. But um, I think those exist. I think it'll be a couple of years until everything gets merged together within the you know the Nest or similar Honeywell type environment. Have you guys played it all with the Ecobee? I don't know if I'm saying it right. EcoB3, it's a new smart thermostat, and it's meant for you know a house with multiple rooms, and so you put these sensors all over, and so it just kind of like what you said, it takes the average or it looks into multiple different rooms, and uh, I, I just heard about it on I think Mac Geek Gab on that podcast, but it seems to be a little more friendly for the house environment instead of an apartment. Oh, that's interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, EcoB E C O B E E dot com. Yeah, and their their phrase is the smarter Wi-Fi thermostat 
uh, with remote sensors for homes with more than one room. <laughs> okay, well there you go. Well, is that a shot of the nest or what? I, I've been I've been following the nest, and some of the biggest complaints about the nest are the lack of remote sensors to yep. help control it. Yeah, no, and this has uh, so two forty nine for the unit plus a sensor. Hmm. Uh, so about the same as you know they're going to compete with Nest, right? They're going to go, they're going to try and be right at the same price since Nest has set the price point on those things for sure. Hmm. Um, ordinary, let's see if I get some. I think right. you can buy a kit with about three sensors, and then you pay for more than that. So I, that's what I remember hearing somewhere. Yeah, can't remember. Interesting. Well, yeah. cool. Nah. Uh, Mike, nice job. That's a good. I, we have not heard of them. And yeah, thank you. We have a lot of home automation stuff flowing through here, so that's pretty cool. That's why we bring different people on the podcast, right? Well, you know, we all listen to all those different podcasts, and you pick up a little bit from each one and bring it all together. Podcasting is the beginning of the Borg, right? Can yeah, we right. All oh yes, <laughs> definitely. Is. You put us all together, and we could be. Yeah. Uh, you will listen to a podcast. You will be assimilated. Uh, so no, no, no. Pretty cool. Um, John, anything else as far as so thermostats? Anything? Any other high tech stuff you're looking at in the house? You know, that's kind of it for now. I'm, I'm not that interested in the locks. I'm not. You know, I guess the locks are kind of popular. I know some people buy those. Those. Uh, well, uh, like a vibration sensor. People. Like, I've heard people put those things on their dryers to tell when the dryer is done. I, I got a buzzer for that, so I'm okay with that. Um, the only other thing in my house right now that's that's related to home automation and, and it probably will take a little more time is um, the, the security system. Um, the house actually has a, uh, a security system built in that I guess, again, the, the, the woman we bought from used 10 years ago and has not had service with since. But I was able to get it up and working as far as the door sensors go. I put some batteries back in them and so you know, the, 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 the main box chimes when kids' doors or kids' windows open up and so we know what's going on. But, you know, I went to, uh, you know, I got my home insurance, my home owner's insurance when I got the mortgage. And, you know, they give you a great discount if you have a, if you have a security system. But not, at least the, the companies I'm working with won't give you that discount unless you're paying the 30 40 bucks a month for the monitoring. And by the time you, you know, net the, net the $480 a year out with the discount you're getting on, on the home, it's, it's barely worth it except for potentially the, obviously the, you know, feeling feeling better or more secure about it. But I'd much rather have a system where if the door opens up, something vibrates on my phone and tells me the door is open. Uh, obviously, if that hap if that's happening at three o'clock in the morning, I should be able to tap a button and you know call nine one one or you know get ready to call nine one one or something like that. So I think it's another again a little while till the modern technology catches up with you know the insurance um, market as well as obviously the monitoring services and things like that. So it's it's not cheap. I mean, you start looking at some of these units, and you do got to do the math at some point and say, ah, is this really, I mean, uh, it, you know, uh, power is expensive in California. It's very expensive out on the East Coast, and so some of those power-saving things make sense. You bring them here to the Midwest, and we're getting worse. It's getting more expensive here, but it's still fairly inexpensive. For So you start, you know, kind of going, well, you know, and then do I want to be eco-friendly or not eco-friendly and those kinds of things, so... Um, it's it's always a toss up with with money. Mike, when you move here, are you thinking about you're you're moving out of where you're going? You're moving into a different place, right? Yeah, I'm moving into where my fiance lives now, so her apartment. So and so oh, so it's an apartment. So not much tech. You're not going to do much there. No, not not much yet. Looking uh, looking forward to the first house, but not too much tech side. But what I think is interesting is that obviously the home automation 
and home security market has gotten so big that I don't know, John, where uh, if it's prominent where you're at, but here where where we're at, the cable companies, Cox Communications, where we're at here, is now offering home automation and home security in the form of checking an app and locks on the doors and cameras and turning off TVs. And I just thought that they were probably one of the last companies I would have thought. I guess I never would have thought of a cable company getting into home automation. But I think yeah. uh, people are trying to hop in and get the money when they can. So. Yeah, I mean, I know for sure here they're, they're, uh, Verizon is the, the phone company, and, and they certainly, I think Comcast as well as the cable company, they both have services. Um, I think, you know, like at least a lot of us in this in this crowd here, I'm, I'm kind of a do-it-yourselfer to, much, to the extent I can. Right. And, you know... I look at the. Uh, I have looked into uh, the Verizon offering, and at a time you actually do have to pay for a lot of the equipment install, and then you are paying the extra forty, fifty bucks a month. You know, most of that, at least I'd say, I can do myself, and mainly because I like to fool around with it, or maybe because you know it's just I think it's more efficient in the long run. That's that's kind of the way I'm hoping to go, but um, you never know. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, well, we'll wrap that on kind of the the home automation. John, great to catch up on a lot of those things. A move, you know, we do from time to time. Every time I take a vacation, I come back and do a vacation tech uh, episode where we talk about all the tech you use on vacation, right? Because there's mm -hmm. tons of tech now that we haul with us. Although my my tech, uh, uh, you know, the my tech gadgets, the number of gadgets I took swelled probably in about 2009, 2010 when you had everything, and then lately. Yeah, it's it's going back down to just a few things, you know, the the very very important things. But uh, having you on, we were thinking about what we we're going to talk about, and it was just a great opportunity to say, man, in a move, you've got some unique, and especially now, you've got some unique considerations to think about in not only what you take with you from a tech standpoint. You'd mentioned so you'd mentioned home security, home automation, pool security, which is a whole different realm of. I mean, because you're trying to keep people safe when they're in and when they're out and then you're talking about hours right schedules <clears throat> want to know hey during you know pretty much from about 6 p.m. till about 10 a.m. that thing should be quiet right there should right. be nobody out there and right. do you have one of those automated covers that go over it as well no the, the type of pool we have doesn't really allow for that um, you know so we kind of have a double gating system we've got the whole entire property gated and then the pool itself is is closed off from access to the kids or again you know anyone coming through. It's it, we're not really in a true traditional neighborhood. We're kind of set into the hills as you know things go up there, Jim. So, it's nice um, so <laughs> we're not gonna have, we're not gonna have people yard hopping across the, the neighborhood, diving in and out of pools and and you know that type of thing. But just it, for me, it is more for the kids. I want to make sure that they don't sneak out with side door when we're not watching and uh, make their way down there. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it's good. You got to be worried about that. Young kids, you, they're they're adventurous. We had a pool when we first moved in here, and at the time, that was 15 years ago. And my, so my my uh, youngest was uh, two, and uh, we had to worry about those things. And you know, we went old school with a chain link fence and a lock, and uh, that kind of worked for a while. I was looking 15 years ago. We didn't have all that stuff, but they had pool sensors and some of those kinds of things. That, you know, alarms that would go off if it sensed movement in the water and those kinds of things. But we uh, eventually got rid of the pose of Doughboy, you know, above ground. We got rid of the pool, redid re the deck, and uh, I'm kind of glad. I, uh, you know, pools are great. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. And where you're at there in the Walnut Creek area, 
you're going to get perfect weather for it. It's just oh yeah, it's it's just yeah. it's it's definitely your perfect ten months out of the year, and you know now we're going to go into rainy season. And as you said, the, the hills are the hills are brown for ten months, and then I guess March, April, May they're they're green for a couple of weeks, and then they put the goats out to chew up the grass. So. That's right. That's beautiful. Kim, you 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 commented on one thing I wanted to add um, context to um, that I forgot to mention is that you know for both the Insteon equipment I have and the uh, the, the the Phillips Hue. I do have the timer set up, and for the most part, um, at least on the dusk part of it, I've got them set to turn on at dusk. Now, what's interesting, though, is Philips requires you to use if, then, then, that. So there's no built-in automation to the Philips Hue system that says turn on it at dusk, and it knows your zip code, and therefore when, what time of day is dusk. Um, whereas Insteon, right in the hub, you can set the program to say turn on at dusk. Uh, the only drawback, and again, th speaking about family acceptance factors, my wife said, you know, um, the one that's inside the house, the Philips, the doggy light in the in the television room, you know, in her view, it doesn't come on, it maybe comes on 15 minutes late. You know, the sun's just probably over the horizon. It's just getting a little dark inside. She'd rather be able to have me set it to, say, dusk minus 15 minutes. But there's no option for that. So, again, just to talk to the audience about like you know how things work and how you how much you can automate versus kind of you got to go with whatever's available. And that was a limitation that uh, obviously maybe hopefully they can fix if people complain about it. But um, you know, but on the outside lights, you know the one the Insteon lights that are just coming on when Insteon says it's, it says it's dusk and they're usually within a minute or two of each other, which is pretty impressive, I guess. But um, you know those are less important. Like it's still kind of a little bit light outside the house, even when the sun's over the horizon. So that you commented on scheduling and automation, and I, I kind of thought about that. I is, had it, is that based on time or actually light? No, it, it's based on time of day. Okay. okay. So, right. So they're and, they're yeah they're projecting like sunset is going to be at this time, and so we're going to do it at this moment. And exactly. Okay. As opposed as opposed to those photoelectric sensors that the prior owner had that just weren't reliable. You know, they they were coming on an hour and a half too early and staying an hour and a half too late because they were hidden by bushes or something like that. You know. Yeah, well, that can have benefits and drawbacks. You know, it. You you uh, those uh, those they were probably old units. Newer ones probably do a little bit better with that yeah. with that kind of yeah. stuff if they're out in the open. So, no, very cool. And and I want to add to this home automation discussion this this idea of the uh, Amazon Echo, Mike. You mentioned that in your podcast on Tuesday that came out. I was supposed to be on that show, and I had. <laughs> Some stuff at work came up, and I'm going to be on next Tuesday, so yep. I'll make that up to you. So I apologize for that. But um, you had mentioned the Echo. I was listening to that yesterday on my way into work, and um, and I th it's it's very interesting because I just got that notification, like everybody else did. Hey, the Amazon Echo, um, John. Have you know what we're talking about? Have you seen the Echo? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I got that notification. Prime members, it's 99 bucks. You watch that cheesy video, which was really funny. In fact, a couple of the guys, the listeners, have. They want uh, our family here. They want the Collison family to reenact that uh, that commercial when we get the Echo. You know, we signed up for it. Who knows if anybody's actually going to get that thing? I mean, this is the weird thing. No delivery date. No, you just put your name on a list. It's like, well, we'll kind of tell you when it's ready. I assume we've probably all watched the video, and we kind of know what it does. I want to have a quick discussion around is is this idea of voice activated or voice automated equipment really going to work we've had Siri we've had Cortana now on the Windows phone uh, Samsung's got some version this is kind of Android's kind of weak on voice uh, activated stuff uh, or voice you know talking back to you 
Uh, Mike, I want to throw it over to you. You've seen that you're a young guy, you're a millennial, you live in this generation, you're okay with that. But we've, we've been doing voice for 10 years now, and it's still kind of hokey and clunky and not very good. Do you have any hope that Amazon's going to get this right, or is this thing going to come out and disappoint? It's 100 bucks. Right. Right? The, uh, the only thing I think that Amazon has going for them with this specific product is that they're focusing it on being always in the home. I think when we start to criticize Siri and Cortana and all these things, it's because whenever we're using it, we're out and about. So first of all, usually we're requiring or relying on your cell network being strong so you can connect to the internet. And two, you're around a lot of people and a lot of noise. Whereas if it's in the home setting all the time, it's going to be you, your family, you know who's there and it's going to a little more controlled environment, Wi-Fi always, you know, and stuff like that. So I think it's it'll start out being a little bit better uh, because, honestly, the one time I use Siri is when I'm sitting on my couch or I'm in my, I'm in my room right now, and I don't use it too much when I'm out and about because it's just too unreliable. And so the one new feature that I, I'm sure Cortana's had it for a while, but now Siri has it where when you plug into power, I can just say, hey, Siri, from anywhere, and it'll light up. I don't have to press the button. And I've gotten to really like that. It's how I set my alarms. I say, hey, Siri, wake me up at this time because it's plugged into power. And so it's interesting. I think that's something that's always listening would be interesting, and I would like it. And, you know, like, like you said, you signed up. But the one thing I think about is that it's going to scare the mass majority of people. Having something in your house that's always listening, that just sounds like one of those doomsday movies from a while back of technology and the big brother always listening in. And so I think that it'll be interesting that Amazon did it and not Google and not Apple and not anyone else. I think it was a big surprise that Amazon did it. And so I'll be interested to see if people actually trust the device. I think trusting is the number one thing that's going to make or break this product is because it is scary to have someone that's always listening to you in your home. Well, don't you think because it's coming from a retail operation that's even sketchier? That, <laughs> you know, when you think about, like, I would want it to come from Google or those guys because they're wanting to sell me stuff, right? That's that's how Amazon makes money. They want to sell me, and I guess Google does too, right? They want to they want to serve the right ads to you, right? Which is interesting. Well, you know, maybe if it come from Google, you know, it would be you would be like you'd say, "Hey, Google, tell me the weather," and it'd be like, "The weather in Bellevue today is." We'll tell you right after this message. <laughs> or yeah. it's going to be 16 degrees. By the way, you know what's really good for 16-degree weather? A big you know, a set of gloves or a new coat. You know, yeah, How about we yeah. head on over to Amazon and take a look? Can I have some? And maybe now with Amazon, it'll say, you know, do you have gloves? Right. And now I need a set. And, and, like, we can dispatch a pair of gloves to you in 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. you know, as they a drone will arrive on your uh, front porch. Well, it's not too far-fetched. I mean, think no, about that. Not. When, when you think they could make shopping suggestions. Of course, they want to take your shopping list. That's a big feature that they're doing on there. Hey, we add milk to my shopping list, and it you know puts it on there. I have a feeling it's going to prompt you then, hey, we've got all this stuff. Can we just ship it to you? You know? Right. You know? Don't you think that's coming next? Well, notice they left all of that out, though, of the video. No no ordering, no suggestions, nothing like that was in the video. The store is not even no. in the video. The yeah, store no, is nowhere close. At all. Yeah. And you know that's going to be their one biggest thing. Why was, you know, the Fire Phone that they just released, their previous product, you know, what was the big selling point of that? Why did they want it out there? Well, it connected you to Amazon. Everything, the new Firefly feature where you could point it at anything and it would direct you back to Amazon, it gets you back in their ecosystem. And I'm sure, you know, that's what Amazon does. Of course, their products are going to take you all back to Amazon. But John, any any thoughts as we think about home automation? And you you looked at this. Is it attractive for you at all in what you guys do? 
Um, marginally, I'd say. You know, I actually do use my my <clears throat> voice recognition on my Android quite a bit. Um, mostly while I'm mobile, though. So you know, in contrast to maybe what what Mike said, you know, I'm using it to jump in my car, say, "Okay, Google, dr navigate to home." Or navigate to work, uh, you know, mainly just so I can work around traffic if I need to. My, although I got to say, my my six-year-old is obsessed with asking Google questions. So, you know, we, we 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 trained him well before leaving the East Coast. He's a Boston Red Sox and a Patriots fan, <laughs> and every day during the seasons, he'll get on there, tap the button, and say, Did, "You know, what's the Red Sox score today?" So, you know, thinking about the kids coming up in the, you know, I don't know what the post-millennial generation is, but, you know, they're, it's going to be second nature to them. I mean, my, we've tried to, I, tried, I mean, I'm a techie, and I try to keep my kids away from tech as long as possible, but now that he's in kindergarten, he's playing with kids whose brothers have a Wii and, or an Xbox, and, you know, he's asking to borrow my, my phone or my wife's phone. Like, literally, um, he asked to borrow our phone so much that I'm going to take one of my old phones and put up a couple games on it that he plays and give it to him. Um you know, in the next couple of weeks, so that, you know, to be honest, I don't want him dropping this and breaking it and having yeah. me out of commission for two weeks. No, but no. as far as the voice stuff goes, I can see, you know, I can see down the road using more around the house. You know, I did see right around when the Moto 360 came out, there were some demos on on YouTube of, of somebody who had connected his home automation to his, his watch. And he would come home and say, you know, turn on the television, dim this light to 50%. And I don't know what back end he was using from a software perspective, but clearly people will be working on that. Um, you know, part of it, though, I mean, I think just because it's there doesn't mean you have to use it. <laughs> there, there are easier ways to do things. Yeah, yeah, right on. That's a good statement. And along those lines of you said, you know, your kids and some of that, how kids love to do the asking, I've noticed that, too, with I'd say about the 60 to 65-plus age range of people. Because for me, my main frustration is when I tell Siri to do something and she doesn't get it right, I'm like, man, I could have done this faster if I had just typed it out. But the older demographic is almost so loving of Siri because they couldn't have done it faster by typing it because they might not even know how to do it with their device. And so I've noticed a lot of older people using Siri all the time and not getting frustrated with it because, honestly, for them, it's better than nothing. And it's better than what they could have done without Siri. And so I think, if, so voice might be a really good thing for, first of all, kids and for that older demographic. You know, it brings everyone into tech and it kind of gets them a generation that might not have even considered using an iPhone, you know, or an Android phone or an Amazon product. Now that they can just talk to the device and not have to learn how to touch it and use it, if they can just talk naturally to it like they would their, you know, their nephew or anything like that, then I think it's... It'll, it'll be interesting. I think it'll bring in a lot more people. But it, the interesting age range for me is the 16 to 55 age range where we know how to use technology and is it actually going to be faster for us, easier for us? Is it going to provide some benefit that we wouldn't have had before? Yeah, you got to be careful, Mike. You, you, you just included us in that in, in that middle group, but for a while I thought you were going to like put, put us into the 65-plus crowd. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, that's where I'm at. He knows better than that. I always joke that I'm the youngest millennial, or the oldest millennial you'll ever meet, because I, <laughs> I don't act like my generation at all. I act more like like Mike's generation, the millennials, just because I stay up on so much of the technology. You know, I um, I've got this thought, and when we were talking, um, you know, I have the privilege at Gallup of uh, of uh, access to Vent Surf for uh, a day or two every year, which is awesome. In the last two years, I've gotten to drive around with them, so I get to have these 
really interesting conversations that because I spend you know a couple hours, maybe three, four, five hours with them a day, uh, taking them places, and I, so I get this unique opportunity to talk to him. Of course, Vint Cerf is the father of the internet, one of the guys that helped develop it, and he's kind of got to watch this thing, this whole thing grow into an amazing tool that people are using. I just can't imagine what that feels like that your invention is used by most of the world type deal, right? It's in space, it's it's it goes to Mars, I mean it's crazy. So we were talking about about voice recognition and using voice commands and I really think that we won't make any progress until the our devices get personalities. Um, I think we still find that talking to a computer, remember the old Star Trek and they would, you know, working, you know, that was a lousy computer to talk to. That was the one, you know, the even though that was Gene Roddenberry's wife that did the voice for that for that computer, it was still a little stiff, right? And even in the next generation uh, of Star Trek, when they when they did it, that computer was still awkward, right? The the most comfortable computer that I know to talk to now is Jarvis, right? Who's a who's on in Iron Man because Jarvis has a personality, right? And he knows Tony. He knows what to say. It's like talking to a person, not a machine. And I just don't think until our machines get to know us and truly understand our tendencies and our patterns and what we like. So I want to say, I'm on the way home, and I want to say, hey, we'll just use Jarvis. Hey, Jarvis, can you order some Chinese food for me from Imperial Palace? And Jarvis would say, would you like your regular, or do you want me to order you something different this time? And and it would you know it would just it would it, I think that's what makes this kind of technology actually work. I think until we get to that point, I think we're a ways away from it. Uh, until we get to that point, I think these kinds of technologies are just going to kind of be clunky and gadgety and not as helpful. Except for the things John, like you talked about, navigate. Hey Google, navigate home or navigate to work. That kind of stuff works. But but I think because. Because fiction or science fiction always is out ahead of fact or or of what it's going to actually be. I mean, think of the, some of the things we saw in the 60s and 70s and 80s in science fiction that are available now. When we have, you know, those old Star Treks when, you know, when we were watching those in the 90s and they had these little they had these little devices in their hands and they were touching things on it, right? And they were always doing. You never saw the screen, right? Those are our tablets today, right? We didn't have those back then, but they've created those today, anyways. I, so I'd like to see some personality, or I think personality is going to have to come in where these devices are feel more like people, don't you think? Yeah, it kind of looked like Echo had a little bit of a personality. The way she talks, that was my first little inkling of a, of a computer with a... That's got to be faked, though. That's got to be faked. Oh, it, it is, and you know it is, and that's why it's not an actual product yet and stuff like that. But yeah. I also want to, you know, they're commenting in the chat. I want to go back and correct you. I didn't want to give the impression that people 65 age and up or 55 <laughs> don't use technology. But, you know, when I'm doing my job at Uyghur Tech, and the whole reason I started is because I want everyone to use technology and I think that there is some a lot of people out there that are scared to use it they you know they don't want to really jump into it they feel stupid sometimes when they have to ask a question and so I think anything to broaden the usage of technology make it easier for people and get people into I think is a good thing so that was my whole point with that but yeah yeah no you can, don't don't bend to the chat room Mike <laughs> don't worry about those guys they get a little grumpy out there yeah. And, uh, and my, my mom is my mom is sixty two. Just turned sixty three, and she she's totally as you described. You know, she's does the bare minimum because she's afraid she's going to break something or do something right. wrong or you know spend five thousand dollars in in you know service charges. So 
Yeah, no, you, you, you got it right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I put my name on the list uh, just to kind of see if I'll make the lottery system. Uh, and, and I don't know how they're going to choose it or, or how that's going to get, or even at when they're going to. They've been very cryptic about this. It'll be fun. Ironically, my no, that's probably the wrong use of that word. Um, also, my wife, <laughs> uh, when we were... Uh, when I was showing her this on the, in the Facebook group, uh, which she's a part of, uh, so if you go to uh, facebook.com slash group slash TheAverageGuyTV, I think we'll get you there, um, or just head out to TheAverageGuy.tv and click on the link. In our Facebook group, uh, somebody asked, I think it was Tim Black, asked the question, who the heck would use this? And so we watched the video, and my wife was like, I'll use that for sure. I mean, she loves the idea. We're always running out of stuff with the kids, and she loves the idea of just being able to say, hey, whatever. And in this, what's cool about this is it doesn't have to be, hey, Siri, or it doesn't have to be, hey, Google, or it doesn't have to be, you know, hey, Cortana. It can, you can change that name, and, it, and, and then I'd love it in the mornings. I'm making the kids lunches, and we run out of whatever, and I'll just say, hey, add, you know, add applesauce to the list of, of things that we need to pick up for school lunches, if it works that way. It'll be interesting yeah. to see. I, I can see doing music, Jim. I can see like coming home for the day, and you walk in your house. You don't have to go up to turn anything on, or you know, play play me the Jack Johnson Pandora channel, or play me '80s music, or you know, that type of thing. Just to you know, hands free. You don't have to worry about like, but anything requiring either a back and forth or a purchase commitment or research, it's not going to replace you know, you sitting in front of the computer and doing some of that. Yeah. Although in our kitchen, what would be awesome is that it. So we say, you know. Um, <clears throat> Um, you know, hey, add these things to the list, and during the day it's doing it. And when Sarah is out, she could then say, hey, bring bring up my shopping list. And the phone would bring up the shopping list and, and have that all set. So, you know, that's pretty cool. I think there's some pretty cool technology there. I think we're still a ways off from uh, from it being a reality. I'm not thinking they're going to be out till after Christmas. I just can't. I just can't see that. I don't know. Either you guys have any, any inside thought on that before or after Christmas? Who will, who will take the over? Who's going to take the under? <laughs> I'll take before Christmas. Uh, only because I just requested it, and it said um, you might get it in the next coming weeks. So I'd say coming weeks as in, you know, All right. seven, eight weeks. So, so maybe yeah. more. But if anything, I would pay $99 for They really got me with the spelling. I am a notoriously bad speller, and that would save me at least 10 minutes a day of going to Google and trying to figure out how to type a word or, or spell a word. And so for me alone, I mean, that, I was just like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I think Amazon's smart enough to try to, to know they have to get this out over the holidays. Um, so I'd, I'd probably take the under as well. But I wanted to comment. I don't know if you guys have seen the parodies. I think the parodies oh are, are gosh, yes. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I'll have to go. I have not seen them yet. I'll oh, you have to watch it. A little bit later. Mm -hmm. My favorite part of the original video is when she's, sh she's shouting at it. <laughs> and he goes, you don't, honey, you don't have to shout at this. It can hear you. It's got these microphones, and it can hear you. And Because when she started shouting, you know what I said? I'm like, you don't need to shout. I said that as she was doing it. But if any of us actually said that to our significant other, it wouldn't have gone as well as it did in that video. No, I, no. he was yeah. pretty understanding, and she was too, and, right, and right. Uh, uh, pretty cool. Well, watch for the Echo. If you haven't uh, been out to Amazon in a while, uh, head out to Amazon now. They're advertising it on the front page. Uh, as well as the Amazon Fire Stick, which a bunch of us got in at 20 bucks, which is kind of the 
the Chromecast uh, competitor, and uh, those I think those they're going to be trying that. So mine won't ship until January. I got in too late, so they're you know they were when they offered it for twenty bucks, they sold well into the month. I don't think those even release until early December here, but be interesting to for twenty bucks. That's that's my kind of tech, right? To try out twenty bucks is easy to to drop and uh, and pick up one of those fire sticks as well. So speaking of Amazon, I will say thanks. Uh, we've had some we've had a great month. Christmas is coming up. Don't forget in Canadian residents, if you're if you're in Canada, we have uh, the Average Guy Scholarship Fund um, uh, links for you. Just go to theaverageguy.tv/amazon or theaverageguy.tv/amazonca. Only use that in Canada. It won't work in the United States, so only use it in Canada. But John Zadler benefits from that, and then he'll buy some equipment, test it for us, come on the show, and talk about it. And uh, of course, we appreciate your generosity, and thanks for using the Amazon link when you are on Amazon purchasing. Um, one of the things is I was traveling a bunch uh, this over the last couple weeks. Is I bought, um, and what I wanted to see is if I could get a pair of headphones like Bose or like Beats. Although Beats doesn't really play in the noise canceling space like like Bose does, so Bose has got these 125s mics. I, I think did I hear you talking about them? You have those? Yeah, I have the Quiet Comfort 15s, and so I don't know if those are still being sold. It's like they're like two years old, so. Yeah, pretty comfortable though for oh, amazing noise yeah. canceling, right? Yeah. As well, so when you when you they're try my favorite. So yep. I was going head to head with that model uh, with these Audio Technica. Um, Oh, what was the? They have a they have a crazy model number. Audio Technica couldn't have made that easy uh, when you do that. But head out to theaverageguy.tv right now, and that link is in the review section. And they're only 125 bucks. So as opposed to I think yours were 299. Uh, yeah, 269 for the model I have. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I what I was looking for is could that work? Could you go? Or would they just be junk? And uh, and so I bought those, and they come in a nice little carrying case. All the pictures are out at theaverageguy.tv, but they come in a nice carrying case, much like I think you get with the Bose headset, yep. right? A good, hard, sturdy case. You get about um, – uh, so, John, like you're wearing now, you get three of those uh, that plug into the, the, the unit itself, one that has a phone piece <laughs> on it, one that's just a straight wire, and I think one that's uh, really long. And then hmm. you get all the adapters that you need for, uh, f you know, plane, train, car, whatever. It's a, it's a whole adapter set to make it work. And so I took them on five trips uh, this last spring. Uh, I went to Gainesville. I did a trip to Dallas. I was out to USC. I headed up to Seattle. I did a trip out to Indianapolis. Um, although the Indianapolis trip was in a car, and I did wear them in the car, <laughs> uh, but uh, made all those trips with them, and they actually um, they got better the longer I had them. Those uh, I could wear them longer. Those pads began to break in a little bit, weren't so stiff uh, on your ears. And that the Audio Tech, I got a big gigantic melon here. I mean, this is a, I got a huge. This is like the size of Texas right here. This this head of mine. They've just fit, and I got some big monster ears too. They're just getting bigger too, as my my dad's ears were huge uh, when he was old. So, and they're hot. I don't know what's going on here. That's a little red there. But uh, they uh, they they it worked. It worked nicely, and I uh, it really does help cut out the the engine. You know, the airplane engine noise. You can listen to I listen to tons of podcasts with them. Mike, I'm sure those are things that you use when you travel as well, and are you a podcast listener when you throw those things on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no better way. And even if even if you don't have anything playing through them, if you put them on in the airplane, just flip them on, it takes out that whir of the engine, and it's so much easier to fall asleep. So a lot of times I'll put them on without even anything coming through them. 
and do that. But the one interesting thing you just said is you've got the little attachment to have a microphone for the phone. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. See, and the bows yep. don't come with that, but I can only imagine I've been I've talked to someone while I had those on and I'm yelling. I can only imagine what the other person on the other end of the line is thinking. It's not great. I, yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine using one of those, but I did call somebody. So so just a quick story. So I'm driving back. I had him with me in Indianapolis. And I was driving back, and so you go across Iowa, and there's nothing in Iowa, right? I mean, there's there's Des Moines, and then there's nothing, right? Yeah. And so from basically from Davenport to Omaha, it's just Des Moines. That's all you have, and it's four hours. So I'm pulling out of Davenport, and I'm thinking, oh, I had a conference call that I needed to do, and I thought, well, there's nobody out here. I'll throw on these headphones just to test them while I'm driving and take this conference call. And so sure enough, the, and actually the gal I was talking to was in Germany, which was kind of cool. And so, sure enough, I took this call. I did the. It was an hour-long phone call. It was super comfortable, and it was super quiet because, you know, of course, I had it in the car. But the, my car's loud, and uh, and it worked great. So I'm like, oh, this works awesome. So then I called. Who did I call? I called somebody in our network here, and I was talking to them. So talking to them about 45 minutes, long enough time that I got into Des Moines, right? And so, you know, you're busy, you're messing with stuff, and all of a sudden, I'm in traffic. Right, and uh, I I miss. I'm, it looks like I'm gonna miss an exit, and so I quick cut over. Well, what I didn't realize, because I was the jackass talking on the phone with uh, headphones on, is I cut somebody off, and this guy pulls up next to me, and I got the finger, and I got you know sh- shouting, and I I got lip service, and and then I just looking as I'm looking at him, I can only imagine what I look like looking at him with this big set. <laughs> Oh, but you didn't have to hear anything he said. That's the best part. You didn't have to hear his honking his horn. <laughs> you just got to tune it all out. So it was it was yelling bliss in that, and I immediately took the headphones off. I'm like, all right, this was a bad experiment. I should probably not be wearing these in the car uh, while you're driving. But they did work out really well. So if you want to check out that, uh, John, have do you, do you use anything like that when you travel? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't want to jump in at all because you've done the review, but my wife and I each have Audio-Technica headphones. Um, <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a former Bose owner. They broke. Um, didn't want to spend the three or $400, whatever, the, the over-the-ear types. And as I'm, I just on, on their website, and we are, one of us has the 7Bs that, that I think you reviewed. Yeah, and I did one of us, the ANC7B, yep. Yeah, so um, I bought those for my wife right before we moved out here, and then I have... Um, a pair that looks like they're the ANC 29s that come in a little pouch. But Don, my wife's can come in that that zip up uh, case, yeah, um, and I, I agree with you. I think for quality wise, I, I use the Bose for 10 years probably, and these are as good as you know. And I'm not a terrible audiophile. I, I listen to way too much heavy metal music in my teens, um, so my ears aren't that good. Yeah, but um, yeah, but my you know, they're they're great. Uh, they're, they're they also you can't crank them up. You can't crank them out to get them too loud. They I think they must have some limiter on there because I tried cranking them up and you just can't get it really loud, which is probably good that that you can't. And I couldn't uh, get them too loud. Little switch on the side, uh, easy to get the battery in and out. Right, that the the, the yeah. side just flips and it's one AA battery and you just replace it um, out and in. Um, and so 125 bucks, I think it's, I think they're worth considering. You know, uh, if you're if you're thinking about that, that's a nice entry point to get into um, for those, and in a good way to, uh, it, you know, to give it a try. I think they do get better the longer you use them. I got more and more comfortable the longer I had them, you know, yeah. on the melon. 
So my my comment though, Jim, is the same as yours. And I, I kind of laughed when you said it because I kind of have a big head too. And I just wish I, I kind of wish it had one more notch of give in that in the extension, you know? Because yeah. if it wasn't resting on the top of my scalp, it, you know, it just on a six-hour flight from the from the east coast to the west coast, it, you feel that after a little while. You do, um, you do. About two hours in, I was adjusting them a little bit, yeah. and yeah. you know, if the flight's warm, it's gonna get warm in there. You're gonna you're gonna feel that, Mike. I'm sure the bows are the same deal. Yeah. If you have them on for a while, they get yeah. pretty warm in there. Yeah. yeah. The only complaint I have about those big headphones, they're great and they're fantastic, but I don't take them too many places because you do have to make sure you have the case, put them in the case. They take up a lot of, you know, a lot of room. One more thing you got to carry when you travel. So I don't actually use them all too often, um, but when I do use them, I, I do love it. Pretty much they're my airplane headphones. That's really all I use them for. Yeah, well, I, I love the case. I actually carried it around in my backpack uh, for uh, three or four weeks before I even traveled. I bought them in advance of traveling because I thought, well, this would be a great opportunity to have them on hand. And I'm, I, you know, I knew I was going to do five weeks of traveling, and I thought, I'll have them with me. I can really, because nothing drives me more crazy, and I've probably done this myself. But we, do, we don't do anybody a service when we buy something we try it for a day and then we write about it. Right? That doesn't do anybody any service, and I've done it. I'm sure I have. Yep. But with this one, I wanted to like, oh, I've got this great opportunity. It's not the hottest product in the world, too. So it's not like anybody was. It mattered if I waited 10 or 15 days or weeks even to get the re re the review out. Um, but it, so it was one of those things. I threw it in my backpack, and I carry two laptops in my backpack. I mean, it's jammed full. And that case showed very little signs of wear after six or seven weeks in my backpack full time, taking it in and out on airplanes. You know, it was just one of it was it was so nice to have that case um, with me. And you can store other things in there as well. So if you have other items that you want to put in there and store, I have a picture of the inside of the case out on the post out at theaverageguy.tv. I'll have to look at that because it looks like they fold up a little bit smaller than the bows do. Do yes. they do they have like do they fold in as well? Uh, no, they just fold this way. And oh, okay. So it is. Slide them up and they fold flat, and then they okay. sit in that case. It's sitting on top of my surface, so I actually took that picture in the airplane as I was writing. I was, you know, I've, I've been writing the review as I've been going, and then I was finishing it on the. No, that's actually on the train. So it's on the way back from Seattle to Portland on the train. I'm like, I should get a picture of this. So, opened it up on the tray, took a picture. It's sitting on the surface. So you see, it's about as wide as the tray. You know, so it's here's the surface. It's about that that. So just open. It's a little bit wider than okay. closed. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be the size of the headphones. The hard case is almost exactly the same size as the Bose. Okay. 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 Yeah. No, not a bad. So if you're if you're thinking about if you do a lot of traveling and you want to go a little bit more budget on those, I've got all the specs available for you out there as well as my pros and cons. I had way more pros than cons. There are some cons. Uh, you know, John, what you mentioned. Gets a little rough right here on top of the head, um, especially if you have a big melon, and uh, and so it gets a, after about an hour or two, I need to shift it around a little bit. It was one of those things with the stewardess where they'd be asking me questions. I don't have a clue. I'm like, no, hold on, I gotta gotta take it off. You really can't hear them. These are the 90%. They do sell a 95% noise canceling uh, version that I didn't I didn't go with. It's a little like 167 or 1 180 something like that. Um, and so these were the 90%. Um, uh, the other thing I noticed, neither one of you have glasses, but I do. Of course, you put your headphones over mm -hmm. that. It starts pushing those in a little bit, and it can pinch on the nose and stuff. And so I would have to. I already have a problem. You can see where my glasses mm -hmm. 
that a little bit. So it pushes down on them pretty hard, and uh, and so I would have to adjust those a little bit just to make that um, uh, kind of work. And then they are about a half an ounce heavier than the bows. So they are, I looked up the specs, and they're just a little, but you, half an ounce, you really can't tell. So it's um, not not a bad way. So if you're thinking about that, all those details out at theaverageguy.tv, and that was kind of a fun re review to do. That was one of those tech scholarship fund things that I just took advantage of for myself. We have funds available for you. If you, wanna, if you want me to buy you something, you'll use it and then write it or write it up or come on the show and talk about it. John did that. What did we have you do, John? What was the device? That was the um, the VCR capture device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, no, yeah. Do you still have it? I'm still kind of in the middle of it. I got signed. No, that's fine. <laughs> we, didn't, we, we put a post out there, hey, if anybody wants to use this, let us know and we'll ship it. Nobody did. That's the whole idea with the Tech Scholarship Fund. And to be honest, if somebody wanted to use it again, I'd just buy them another one uh, at this point uh, from, from that standpoint because they weren't terribly expensive. But if you if you've got a product that you want to try, uh, you petition me, we'll try and buy that for you. We'd like it to be around 100 bucks, and uh, in there. And then just so there's money for other people as well. And you can uh, try it, test it, and I'd really like you to test it. That's the thing. I don't want you to buy it and review it on the first day. Really run that thing through its paces. Then we'll have you back on the show. And uh, when you're done, you get to keep it. And it's a great, uh, and that's my way of saying thanks for using the the uh, the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund out at theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. Gentlemen, let me bring this in for a landing. I know, John, you got to get going. So let me wrap this up real quick, and we'll let you go. We want to tell folks as well, we have a cool new newsletter we're doing monthly. If you kind of want to know what's going on in my life a little bit, maybe just a paragraph that I write each month, uh, head out to theaverageguy.tv and look for the subscription link uh, in the upper right-hand corner. Give us your email. That's all we need. I won't spam you, I promise. You just get a newsletter from me once a month. If you don't follow me on social networks, that's a great way to keep up with what's going on in the network. I try to keep uh, up to date with that during the month, and then I just send that out. This month we got a little late because of Summit. But uh, great opportunity for you. About 50 of you have joined uh, the newsletter, and if you want to get that, just give us your email out there at theaverageguy.tv, and I promise I will not spam you. And then if you're a podcaster, aspiring podcaster, you're thinking about podcasting, actually um, uh, Mike did a nice job uh, on his show last week, uh, the last half of it, talking about podcasting. And so if you're wondering about that, a lot of you guys, you've been listening to me for a long time, so you know the deal on that. But we do a show, uh, Dave Jackson and myself do a show on Saturday mornings called Ask the Podcast Coach. It's just the most fun show that I do all week, and I really enjoy it. 9.30 Central, 10 Eastern, uh, out at askthepodcastcoach.com. We just talk about podcasting. It's not for everybody, so don't feel like you have to go out there. But if you're thinking about that, we just have a great time. Mike, I know you're starting to show up out there on Saturday mornings as well. Good to have you out there. Love it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So uh, I'll remind you, if you haven't, uh, give give Mike's podcast a try, openmiknight out at uyghurtech.com, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And so, Mike, thanks for taking a few minutes to hang out with me tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. You bet. John, it was great to see you again. Good luck as you keep continuing to move on. We'll try and bring you back uh, back around in the spring sometime and catch up with you. If I ask you to come back on, would you do that again? Absolutely. It's been really a lot of fun. You bet, and and uh, you maybe you can report back with a new microphone, and uh, and we can. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No, no, you know what? It's absolutely fine. It's I just we talked about that up front, so no problems at all. We are live each and every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central. Well, 50 out of 52 Thursday nights, 
uh, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We'd love to have you join us. There's a great chat room and a bunch of great guys that are out there. If you've never joined us live, take pick one night during the holidays. Don't pick Thanksgiving because we won't be live. Actually, this year we won't be live on Thanksgiving or Christmas because Christmas falls on a Thursday, so we'll take that day off. But pick one of those nights. Come out and join us live. We have a great time. And with that, we'll say good night. We'll do some after show. We'll do some post-show stuff. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Good night.